All right, take a seat. Welcome along. Great to have you with us. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Dave, uh, and it's always a privilege to come and preach God's Word uh, in this place. So welcome. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Uh, Happy Mother's Day to those of you who Mother's Day is an absolute joy. Happy Mother's Day to those of you who this day is a very difficult day. Uh, Know that God is with you and that he loves you, and that he sees you, and he hears you, and whether today brings joy, or whether today brings sorrow, we can put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, because our God is a good God. Amen? So, welcome. It is so good to have you here. Please go and, uh, yeah, don't just leave straight after, even though you've got lunches to go to, say good day to each other, and uh, yeah, share the love of God with them. We are about to start a brand new series. I'm very excited about this series from Ephesians chapter 4. Um, and uh, just feeling this, this real, I guess, weight, uh, spiritually almost, that we as a church, as the church, as a body of believers, would catch the heart of God's call to his church to grow up into Christ. And when I said to Joe when I was first thinking about this series, like, oh, we're going to do a series called Grow Up. She was like, well, that's pretty offensive, isn't it? <laughs> Calling people to grow up. I was like, well, it's, I guess we can take it offensively, but why do we do that? Did anyone like grow up in a household where there was lines with numbers marked next to it on the wall about how tall you were getting? And every month, you'd go to your mum and be like, can you measure me? Can you measure me? And you just, because you desperately wanted to grow. It was like the heartbeat of all of us. I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to see that I'm growing. And there's something within us that wants to grow. But I don't know about your house, but in our house, one of the most offensive things you can say for my children is also that exact phrase, grow up. I remember there's bickering back and forth, as happens <laughs> regularly, and the kids are bickering, 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 and then I just hear, I think it was probably Mabel, say to one of the boys, she just gives, oh, grow up, and then I hear, oh, mom, Mabel told me to grow up. Well, I, yes, because you should. Like, it's funny how this thing that we all know that we should do and something within us actually wants to do, when someone points out the area that needs to grow, we actually get offended by it. We are called to grow up, and we can read Scripture and we can get offended about the fact that someone would point out some stuff in our life and say, hey, you're more than this. You're created for more than this. You need to grow. You need to develop. You need to mature and become who God has created you to be, we can sit there and go, oh, I can't believe he would ever say that I am not okay in this moment. Or you can go, do you know what? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I know who I am, but yes, I want to grow and become who Christ has called me to be. And that's really the the crux of this sermon series, that we would grow up into Christ, that we would be fruit bearers. So with that said, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to sit in verses 1 through 16, jumping in and out of that for a few weeks. Today is the overview. Today, I'm titling this message, Cultivating Growth. Cultivating Growth. So reading from verse 11 from the ESV, it says, And he, being God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Man, that's an awesome image. By human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Everyone say grow up. Say it like you mean it. Grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What an amazing passage of scripture. I am excited to get stuck into it. Uh, Many years ago, we planted a series of fruit trees at our place, right? We planted a peach tree, we planted an orange tree, and we planted a surprise citrus, which I think is a lemon. It might be a lime. I'm not yet sure. But I don't know because it hasn't yet borne any fruit, right? And so many years ago, probably five, six years ago, the orange and the peach uh, were murdered by an accidental poisoning incident. So those two trees are no longer with us and therefore bearing no fruit. But this one uh, lemon slash lime tree managed to survive that moment. I thought, gee, this is a blessed tree. God's got something in store for this tree because it survived the poisoning incident. And I was thinking, you know, this is going to be good. But it was struggling. It was ugly. Its leaves were going yellow. It wasn't really growing much. It just didn't look very healthy. Uh, And so I decided that I was going to just go hard on this tree because, you know, the Bible says to prune things. So I'll do that. And I cut it back to what I would, for those Marvel fans, to like a baby Groot. You know, just a stick. A stick with roots. And I thought I'm going to put it in a pot, a half wine barrel, filled it up with dirt, put it in that thing. I thought, right, this is going to be good. It's going to be renewed and refreshed and it's going to bear fruit and do great things. And slowly it started to grow. We started to see some leaves come onto it. And I was like, yes, we're going to, you know, it's going to turn into what it was made to do and no fruit. I was like, that's okay. It's just the first season since the haircut. So let's try again. Every now and then watering it just a little bit. Next year, no fruit. I was like, oh. Must be the frost. I'll blame the frost. I'll blame the weather. Did the same thing again. A little bit of water. Sometimes it sort of grew. Then it would look unhealthy. No fruit. And then our treasurer, Mr. Anthony Riemann, for those of you who know him, saw, uh, came along one day and he said to me, he goes, Dave, that is a very unhealthy tree. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, mate, you can't just water it every now and then and expect it to do what it's supposed to do. You've got to cultivate that thing. He goes, look at it, the the dirt in that pot's rock hard. He's like, how often are you watering it? I'm like, oh, you know, when it's yellow. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? He goes, you've got to water it, you've got to get some fertilizer into there, you've got to freshen that soil up. He goes, you've got to cultivate it. Turns out that our treasurer knows more than finance, he knows fruit trees. And I thought, right, that's what we're going to do. We're going to cultivate this, we're going to put our hand to this, we're going to start to actually care for this thing water it regularly, put heaps of fertilizer in it, like churn the soil up a bit, get it looking good. And lo and behold, after six months of actually investing some time cultivating the soil of this plant, all of a sudden, guess what's happened? 
we got some fruit on the way. I don't know what it is yet because it's only little. But for the first time in like seven or eight years, all of a sudden there's genuine fruit sprouting out of the branches. And as I was thinking about this series and I always say to God, Look, what is it that you want to say to your church? It's not about what I want to say or Robin wants to say or anyone else wants to say. What does God want to say to his church in season? And I felt like the Lord just pointed me to that plant and he said, cultivate renewal. Cultivating renewal. That we as a church need to recognize that, yes, God is the only one who can make anything grow. The tree itself cannot force fruit out. It cannot sit there and squeeze and go, there you go. There's no amount of striving which is going to bear fruit. That won't happen. There's nothing that I can do to actually make fruit grow. All I can do is tend to the plant. God is the one who makes it grow. And yet, if I don't cultivate it, it doesn't bear fruit. And this is the paradox almost of the Christian faith where there's this picture, God is the one who makes stuff grow. God is the one who bears fruit. God is the one who brings renewal. God is the one who brings life out of death. God is the only one who can do that. And yet he invites us to participate in the work of renewal. And he actually says, you need to cultivate this. You put your hands to it and I will work through that to bear fruit. It's this extraordinary invitation into what he is doing. And the same is true. It's in our lives, in our spiritual lives, that God is wanting us to grow up. God is wanting us to become trees that bear fruit. God is wanting us to become what we were created to be. That citrus tree was created to bear fruit. If it's there with its foliage and its sticks, branches, let's call them, and it's being a tree but it's not bearing fruit, it's not doing what its nature is. Its very nature is a fruit tree. It is supposed to bear fruit. The same is true for us. We have been made alive in Christ to do the good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have been created to uh, and redeemed and renewed in the gospel, in the finished work of Christ, not so that we can just sit there and look lovely, no, so that we can bear fruit. And so he says, hey, I want you to cultivate renewal. I want you to put your hands to the plow. I want you to work. I want you to put some disciplines in place. I want you to tend to the soil of your heart so that I might do the work of the living water, bearing up fruit that only I can bring, that we would cultivate renewal. And so that's what we're going to look at. That's what Ephesians 4 is about. That's what so much of Paul's letters are about, this charge to the church to be the church, to bear fruit, to be what it was made. And if you know the book of Ephesians, when you look at Ephesians 1 through 3, is all about the work of Christ and what he has done. It's about this is who you are. This is what you have been made in Christ. And it's glorious. Like chapter 1, 2, 3, you are chosen in him. You are predestined. We're not going to get into that today. But this idea that God has called us out, that we have been redeemed, that we have been reconciled, that we have been saved by grace 
through faith, that there's just so much amazing work that God has done in our lives, that we are seated with Christ on high. And it's talking about who we are in him, who he has made us. If we are in Christ, we have a new nature, and that new nature is a nature that is seated with Christ on high. That new nature is a nature that is completely redeemed. That we are, we talked about this last week, that we have been made saints. It's an incredible picture of what God has done. And then you get to chapter four and Paul says, okay, in light of everything that God has done, in light of who you are in Christ, walk in a manner worthy of who you are. If you are a fruit tree, then bear fruit. Be who I've made you. And it's this charge that he says, says, all right, I've given you the theology. I've shown you what God has done. Now it's time to charge. And then the call is, therefore, grow up into who you already are. Grow up into who you are. Grow up into your position in Christ. Grow up. And it's, you're, ne- you're not going to arrive there. You're not going to wake up one day and look in the mirror and just be like, oh, goodness, I'm fully grown. I have no more growth achievable. Look at me. I've reached enlightenment. <laughs> I am a picture of Christ in his completeness. This is never going to happen because we're in the flesh. And so it's this daily walk with Christ, a daily cultivation of the soil of our hearts that Christ might be magnified in us and might work in us and move in us and that we might one day look back and go, I'm not arrived yet. I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but gee, I've come a long ways. Where I was fruitless, there's some fruit that's evident in my life because of what he has done in me. Amen? And this is the call for us. And so Paul begins in Ephesians 4, verse 1, and he says, I therefore, and whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you should ask what it's there for. That's a pastor joke. (laughs) I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, and Paul's saying, hey, this is where he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, follow me as I follow Christ. He's like, I'm a prisoner. I'm like, I'm a man who is in chains for the gospel. A prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Do you catch that? Like the emphasis? This isn't Paul just going, I recommend that you. I think it might be nice if the church started to be what the church was called to be. No, he goes, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. God wants us to grow up. If you jump over to verse 15, let's go down there now. Verse 15, he says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Everyone say grow up. In every way into him who is the head, into Christ. There is an urging that the church would grow up, that the church would be who it's called to be. Hebrews chapter 5, let's go there. Verse 11 through 14 says this. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, 
Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. God wants his church to grow up. God wants us to grow up into the fullness of who we've been created to be. And what is the picture of that growth? Well, let's keep reading from chapter 4, from verse 3. Eager to maintain the unity, the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father uh, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. There's this cosmic condition that we have in Christ that is true for all believers. That when we come to Christ, when we receive Christ as Lord, when his work takes captive our hearts, there's this reality that Paul wants us to grasp is that you are uh, engrafted, you are invited into this oneness. Did you catch that? One, 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 one faith, one Lord, one baptism. There's this picture of what God has done for humanity. And it's wonderful. And can I get theological with you for a minute? Is that all right? Yeah, it's Mother's Day. Mums like to teach. When we talk about this, what we're talking about, this, this, we use this word sanctification, which is basically a biblical way of saying grow up. And within sanctification, we talk about three, three parts of sanctification, right? We talk about positional sanctification, which is this stuff. This is who we are, this, this one faith, one Lord, this thing that God has done in Christ, that we've been justified by faith, that we are seated with Christ. This is who you are, your new nature, A saintly nature, that is who you are in your spirit if you are in Christ. So that's our positional sanctification. We talk about ultimate sanctification, that there's going to be a day when Jesus comes riding in on his horse on the clouds and he's going to take the universe, he's going to roll it up like a scroll and he's going to set right everything. He's going to put to death sin, he's going to put to death shame, he's going to put to death tears and pain and all of that stuff and we're going to be raised up with Christ and we're going to be seated with the heavenly realm saying holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty that's ultimate sanctification which is coming and in the middle there's this thing we call progressive sanctification which is recognizing that I've got a new nature in fallen flesh and therefore I need to grow therefore there's this process of transformation as Christ is working in me I am growing into my nature. I am becoming what I am. I'm learning to bear fruit because that's what I am. Does that make sense? And so this is what he's talking about. This is the cosmic calling, this incredible picture of the church as he summarizes all of this stuff. And then he says, how do we grow? How do we grow? Verse eight, therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave 
gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Who's confused? You're like, did you just say ascended and descended like 18 times in one sentence? Sometimes we read this stuff and we're just like, I don't know. I'll just keep on reading and hope I hear the word love and righteousness. <laughs> what is he talking about here? This, like, this is confusing. Can I help us today? There's, there's really three things that are going on here. And theologians, you know, some of this stuff you can look at and go, yeah, yeah. There's really three things that are going on. And it's this picture, oh, look at that. That's a black texture that works, Hallelujah. Amen. So we've got the cross, this moment in time where the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, descended from heaven to earth. And what did he do? He set captives free. How? By the shedding of his blood. The Bible puts this picture that he... he, he, stomped on the serpent's head. Oh, I love that image. He took death captive. He destroyed death. He destroyed the curse of sin and death. He did it at the cross. But then he didn't just stay dead. And he didn't come back, just rise from the dead and then chill out on earth. What did he do? He ascended. Where did he ascend? To the right hand of the Father. So this is one picture of what Paul is talking about. But there's another picture. And this is one where theologians debate a little bit. But there's this picture that actually something happened here. That he didn't just come to earth and then ascend, but he actually descended all the way into the depths of hell. And he took back the keys of death and Hades itself. I love that picture that when he, he died, he He actually, life itself was buried and death thought it had victory. Death was holding life in the grave and then it turned around and went, oh dear. I've taken death to the grave, but actually life just took me there. And now I'm in an awful lot of trouble. (laughs) So death is in the grave and it says here, this picture that he descended into the very, you know, depths of Hades, and then he rose from the dead and ascended up to Christ. That's another way that people can talk about this. But I actually think there's a third picture of what Paul's getting at here because when you look at it in context, he's talking about the church, isn't he? He's talking about the church. And so I think there's a message in here that, yes, the same one who descended has also ascended. But I think he's actually saying this one who we know, Christ, who has ascended to the right hand of the Father, has also descended in the Spirit. That there's a Trinitarian element to what Paul's talking about. He's saying that the Spirit is at work in the world. The Spirit is at work in the church, I should say. But the church is at this Spirit. It's not just some weird nebulous thing, but actually Christ himself has given of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a unique person in the Trinity, but the Holy Spirit, in the same way that Jesus says, I and the Father are one. If you see the Father, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
And so it's this picture that the Spirit is the very Spirit of Christ. When the Spirit is at work in the church, it's as if Christ himself was at work in the church. Because they are one. One God, three unique persons. He's saying the same one who, who ascended also descended and is now giving gifts to the church, giving gifts to people. That we are not alone. When Jesus said, surely I'm with you to the very end of the age, he wasn't just talking about the fact that people would write a book. He's talking about the fact that he's going to send his spirit and his spirit will empower his church and indwell his church. His spirit will inhabit the praises of his people. That where two or three are gathered, there I am in your midst. That the spirit of God has come to his church to empower his church. And in so doing, he has given Gifts. Look at verse 10 again. He who descended is the one who also ascended far than the heavens that might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or maturity. What is this all about? It's a picture of the church, and it's about what the church is supposed to do, right? Now, in the first service, I felt like I didn't do a very good job of explaining this, so you get the revised standard edition (laughs) here, because here's, here's what I think is happening here, this picture of the church. What is the church supposed to be? If the church is filled with the Spirit of God. How are we to grow up? What makes us grow? What makes us bear fruit? What makes us become who He's made us in Christ? How does this happen? And in the Western church especially, what's happened is we have this picture. We're all, you know, good Christians. So we acknowledge that Christ is the center. But then we've got this picture that actually Jesus anoints special leaders and all the people come to the leaders, that they might just access Christ. We come to the anointed ones. And we see this like in the, where you come to the priest and the priest will talk to God on your behalf. Don't just blame the Catholics. We see this in the charismatic evangelical churches where we say the right stuff, but we still have this idea that I just I attend church. That in and of itself makes no sense. How can you attend a body? You can't, you can't attend a body. No, the church is the body. It is the people of God. So when we say, I'm going to come and I'm just going to receive, we realize it's the product of the fall because sin has caused humanity to become consumers. The gospel will cause humanity to become contributors. We are procreators. We are made in his image. God creates and we're supposed to contribute. We're supposed to invest in the world, Right? And so we have this picture that I come and I'm just going to come and hear the anointed person speak and I might access God. That is not the picture of the church. It's not. You don't come just to be ministered to. Here's the true picture that Paul wants us to catch. Is yes, Christ is the center of all things. But actually what we have is the church. And the church is made up of all different types of people. Within that are some people who have been gifted to lead. But the reason we are gifted to lead 
is so that, read it, we might equip the saints, everyone say equip, for works of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. It is not so that we do ministry and everyone watches. It is to equip the saints. Who are the ministers? The saints. You're a minister. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a minister. You might not like that language, but that's what you are. That's what Paul says you are. If you are in Christ, you are a minister. The job of the church, the job of staff, paid staff, is that you guys just recognize that, hey, we got to just set aside some time so some people can equip us and resource us and help us become the ministers God has created us to be. You don't pay us so you can go, this person's special, therefore we're going to pay them and we're just going to go, God, just speak through them. No, no, you pay us so we have the time to resource you to become the ministers you've been created to be. Okay? This is a picture of the church. You're a minister. Wherever you are at, you are a minister. Some of you are looking at me sideways being like, David, I'm a plumber. I'm not a minister. No, you're a minister. You are a minister right where you are. Every moment of every day, you have the capacity to influence people that I can never influence. Right where you are. If you're a teacher, you're a minister. If you're a stay-at-home mum or dad, my goodness me, you're a minister. If you're a videographer, you're a minister. If you're a dentist, you're a minister. If you're a doctor, you're a minister. If you run a business, you're a minister. If you're a builder, if you, I don't know, I could just, I'm looking around seeing different jobs and it's becoming too much for me. You're a minister. You are a minister. God has appointed you and anointed you with his spirit to minister to the world. That is the truth. That is the picture of the church. This is why he says, grow up. Because he wants us to grow up into Christ. Become who we've been created to be. That every single person here was filled with the Spirit and goes, I'm a minister. Now, Lord, where are you calling me to minister in this moment? What gifts have you given me that are so unique that only I can impact the world in this exact way? moment of time. Some of you have stories that are going to open doors for you to minister in places no one else can minister. Some of you have particular gifts and particular capacities that are going to open doors for you to minister in places no one else can minister. Some of you have had a terrible time becoming a mum. Some of you are still unable to become a mum. And in this moment, it hurts like hell, and you don't want to hear this, but promise, I promise you that if you open that door to Christ and say, just fill this space, God will use you to minister his gospel to people that nobody else in this room can minister to. You are a minister, and this is what we are to grow up into. Grow up into it, filled with the Spirit, that we might become who God has called us to be. Here's something I wrote down, which I really like. Heaven touches earth when the people of God cultivate the call of God by doing the work of God through the power of God at work in them. Let me say it again for you note takers, some of you are writing. Heaven touches earth because that's what's supposed to happen. His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven touches earth. How did that happen? When the church grows up. When the people of God cultivate the call of God 
by doing the work of God through the power of God at work in them. That's where we see revival. That's where we see lives transformed. That's where we see our vision, Jesus glorified, lives transformed, hope revealed. That's where that happens, when we catch the heart that we are all ministers of the gospel. Don't come to watch someone preach. You are the body of Christ. Grow up and be who you've been created and called to be. Amen? So, what's the evidence? We've got to hurry up, Dave. All right. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body. It talks about this beautiful picture that we are a body. What is the evidence? The evidence is this. Uh, jump back to Ephesians. Verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined, held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I've got three things for you, all right? Three evidences or three, what's the word that we chose, Luke? I forgot it again. Okay, three confirmations. Keeping with the C's, you know how I like to do that. Three, the, three evidences, confirmations that we are growing. Here's the first thing, you're gonna see unity. Unity, in this passage, he mentions unity over and over again. First point, unity is not uniformity. Unity does not mean we all think the same, dress the same, eat the same, and sing the same, like the same stuff. That's not unity, all right? That's uniformity. Unity is where the people of God choose not to die on the hills of issues that are not closed-handed so we can stand arm in arm on the hills that are. So that we can actually go, I'm going to put down my preference so that I can pick up my purpose to chase after his presence made manifest in the world. That's unity. Do you know what? I look around this church, God is doing something very special in this place, right? And it is not because of me, it's not because of Robin, it's not because of any special thing. I think there's something on this place where God is just blessing us because there's a spirit of unity, you look around you, what you're going to see is you're going to see some Anglicans, you're going to see some people who aren't saved yet, you're going to see some people who are just thinking about stuff, you're going to find some Pentecostals who love it, you're going to see some Lutherans, some Catholics. This is one of the most diverse, interesting gatherings of the body that you will find, not just in this state, but probably in this nation. And the reason being is because people here are choosing to lay down preference and pick up purpose. Here's the thing. The enemy will come and do whatever he can to destroy it. And we must be on our guard. We must recognize that. And so when someone's over here dancing for the joy of the Lord in worship, and you're someone who would rather just sit there with your hands in your pockets, don't judge them. The whisper will come and go, look at that person being all undignified. Rather, go to the scripture and go, oh, King David danced before the Lord. How awesome is that? 
If you're a hand raiser like me, and you're like, yes, I just want to worship you, Lord, do it. Don't sit there and look around and go, there's not as many people like me, so I better be like them and conform and tuck them in your pockets. No, lift the hands in praise if that's what God's stirring you to do. If you're a microwave holder, just hold that microwave. You know, if that's, if you're a, if you're a goal umper and you're like, bless the Lord, oh my, like if you're that, do that. Do what the Lord is leading. If, you're a, if you want to come in here and have a sit on a chair and hold a candle, great. Go for it. Let there be unity in the house of worship. One of my favorite things, and I've shared this a few times that I've ever seen in worship, was one of our Ignite events that we're involved in. I saw this person, two people right here by the edge of the stage. There's a flag waver. And she's waving, you know, the big flags. She's waving that flag. I'm like, jeepers, ducking and, you know, weaving. Don't get me... Waving this flag, going for it. Right next to it was a guy who I knew who's a Lutheran, and he was like this. <laughs> but they were both worshipping. And it was glorious. Do you know what Jesus was doing in that moment? He was like, yeah! <laughs> unity! Not uniformity, unity. They're both laying. This guy would have looked at her and been like, Dreepers, she's a wacko. And she was probably sitting there going, oh man, have some joy! the joy of the Lord be your strength. Come on, son, step up. We can both learn from each other. No one way is right or wrong. Sometimes us more charismatic, let's use that word, but that's already offended some people, but sometimes us more jovial folk, we look at people who are quiet and reserved and we're like, oh, come on, just step up. What if God's doing something amazing in that moment? And we just go, bless you. I want to pray for you. I want to love you. Like, what can I learn from you? Maybe I need to sit and be still more often. And sometimes those of you who like to be still and sit and reflect, sometimes maybe God's going, look at them and there's something in them that I want you to learn. There's something what I'm doing in their life that I want you to catch. That's unity, friends. That is my longing for this church. I see it in this church, but may it, Go more and more and more. May people be weeping at the front and other people standing with their arms crossed, but God's moving in all of it. That's unity. Don't put your preference on somebody else. Just pick up the purpose. Have robust conversations. If you de disagree theologically about open-handed issues, that's great. But don't bring condemnation to it. Don't sit there and just fire at them and go, you're wrong, you're wrong. No, go, hey, I think this Tell me what you think. Let's open the word of God, which is truth. And as we have this conversation, just let God minister. Let God do what he wants to do. Let his word shape us. Because as we just read, it says, speaking the truth in love. It's not, love is not niceness. Love is not universal acceptance. No, love is speaking the truth, but with a heart to hear. Going, What's God doing in your world? And we grow together. That's unity. And unity will lead to maturity. What's maturity? Maturity is a fruit of the Spirit evident in people's lives. I know my fruit tree is going to be mature when it starts just popping fruit out left, right, and center. That's when its roots have gone deep. Yeah, that's when it's found its well its source of nutrients. And all of a sudden, fruit starts sprouting forth and the wind and the waves and a little bit of frost isn't gonna kill it. When it's immature, as soon as you hear you know, something that challenges us, we're like, wow, I better uproot from here and go somewhere else. 
That is immaturity. But maturity is when our roots are deep in the truth of God's word, in his heart for the church, in his heart for the people of the world, that they would come to know the love of God in Christ Jesus, that they would know this oneness of faith in him. And we just pick up that purpose. Maturity and band, you can come up and get rid of that whiteboard. The last point before we move into communion is stability. How do we know? What are the evidences that we're starting to grow? We're going to see stability or strength. Do you know what? I love this picture that we read at the end here where it says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Every joint when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. What a beautiful picture of the stability of the church. The stability of the church is not everyone looking and thinking the same. Actually, for a body to be a body, there has to be difference. Paul makes this point, doesn't he? You know, if an eye looked at the ear and go, I want to be an ear... So often, you, like, if you're a foot, be a foot. But the foot can't move unless the muscles in the leg... Gee, I'm a bit foggy on my physiology. Unless these things start to do what they're supposed to do because they're the things that put the foot up and then place it down, aren't they? You look at an infant learning to walk. It hasn't figured out how everything works together. The moment it figures it all out, what happens? Plonk. It's got to mature. As it begins to mature, the muscles get stronger. The joints start to know what they're doing. The brain starts to figure out how to send the signals. All of a sudden, what happens? That kid goes from being a kid who couldn't even stand up, is now running all around the kitchen, opening every single cupboard, jamming its hands in the, in the drawers, you know, all that sort of stuff that everyone has to put up with. But it's a sign of growth because it's getting stronger. Same with us. When the church starts to walk together and starts to side by side strengthen one another. When I'm weak, you're strong. You hold me because we are a body. The church is not a bunch of individuals who come together or attend a meeting. No, 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 no. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the, the people of God who've been saved and set free by the blood of Jesus on the cross and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live in unity, to grow in maturity and to operate in strength and stability. And then we see transformation in our world. Because what happens is this fruit starts to sprout. And what's inside a piece of fruit? Seed. What happens when the fruit falls to the ground and dies? The seed gets in the ground. And the seed sprouts up. And the process happens again. And before long, that's sprouting fruit. And you start to see little Christ's been growing all over the world. My heart is that we would be a fruit-bearing church, a body filled with the Spirit, unified on the core truths of God's Word, 
walking together, challenging each other, loving each other, helping each other, that we might see the Word of God made manifest all over the world and lives transformed. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to have some communion. As we go into communion, I'm going to read an interesting passage, but it's very relevant to what we've talked about. 1 Corinthians 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Does this sound a lot like Ephesians 4? I planted the seed, cultivating. Apollos watered it, cultivating. But God made it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. As we come to communion, we stand on Christ. He is the head. He is the one we are growing up into. He is the one who unites the body of Christ globally, universally, transcends time and space. And so as we come and we take the elements, as you take the cup and you take the bread, I want you just to pause and reflect and take a moment to be still and silent. Let's learn from the still silent types. And you, that might be sitting, it might be standing, it might be whatever you want to do, but just take a moment and say to the Lord, just say, Lord, where do I need to grow? What are you teaching me? What do I need to lay down? And what do I need to pick up that I might grow into Christ, into what this meal represents. So we go, we've got stations, there's a gluten-free station right at the back for those of you who need that. Come, take, reflect, and then we'll worship, and then we'll go to Mother's Day lunch, amen? Let me pray. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your church. Thank you, God, that you're coming for a pure, spotless bride. You're the one who does the work in us. Lord, we surrender our lives to you. We thank you that you are so good, that you are so loving, that you are so kind, that you're so patient with us. You're so generous with us. Father, forgive us for all the times where we just get it so wrong. Forgive us, Lord, when we chase after stuff that is just nonsense. 
may we chase after you, your truth, that we might grow up into you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go, the table is ready. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.